This week on Worldview, decoding Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi's visit to Delhi. Did it even make a dent in the logjam and ties between them? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu. This is episode 55 and I'm Sohasini Heather. Now, if you blink, you may have even missed the Chinese Foreign Minister's trip to Delhi on Friday entirely. Not only were his official meetings for just a few hours, the visit was completely unannounced. There was no build-up of expectations between them. Wang flew into Delhi after visits to Islamabad and then to Kabul. At the airport, apparently at the Chinese side's request, uh, there were no photos of his reception. The next day, he held a one-hour meeting with the National Security Advisor, Ajit Doval, followed by a three-hour meeting, which included a lunch with External Affairs Minister S.J. Shankar at Hyderabad House before he left for Kathmandu. So when we look at the visit, it may seem like a very short visit, but even so, the importance of the visit um, was really, really significant for both China and India. It cannot be downplayed. Primarily, really, for what it means for bilateral relations that have been ruptured by Chinese actions at the line of actual control. And of course, at Worldview, we've been covering for you all the events since April 2020. So why was this visit particularly significant in that context? This is, of course, the first such visit to India by a senior Chinese official since hostilities at the LAC began in April 2020 after the People's Liberation Army, the PLA, amassed its troops, transgressed Indian territory at several points along that line in Ladakh. And then, of course, June 2020, the Galwan clash that left 20 Indian soldiers dead. On the Chinese side, they said at least four soldiers had died, but an undeclared number of casualties in addition. The visit by the Chinese foreign minister and the acceptance of the visit by India, remember India has agreed to host him, is a break from the past two years where Prime Minister Narendra Modi had only attended multilateral visits, and these were virtual summits, online summits with Chinese President Xi Jinping. There's been no direct contact between them at the BRICS, the SCO, G20, and those kind of platforms. While External Affairs Minister Jai Shankar and Defense Minister Rajnath Singh have met their counterparts, but only and only to discuss the Ladakh disengagement process. So this is a departure from that. Despite the government's position that there can be no normalcy without a resolution of the LAC, the government actually did discuss in those two meetings several bilateral issues with Wang in Delhi, including trade, commerce, visas, the problem of Indian students, a predicament of Indian students who have had to leave during the COVID pandemic and are not allowed to return, cooperation on health. The Chinese side spoke about epidemic prevention and important international developments like, of course, Ukraine and Afghanistan. These were all on the agenda. Wang then invited National Security Advisor Doval to Beijing for talks of the special representative on the border issues. Remember, this is the SR process as it is known. He was told by the NSA that the NSA could only look at the broader boundary resolution after what he called the immediate issues that is China's continued occupation of territory and troop numbers along the LAC in contravention of agreements made in 1993 to 96 are not to change the status quo are actually taken care of. So that was a very polite, we will talk, but only after this is over. But that was as far as the SR trip went. External Affairs Minister S.J. Shankar also said that while 15 rounds of border commander level talks and eight rounds of what's called the working mechanism for coordination and cooperation, WMCC, 
have yielded considerable progress, several friction areas remain, which must be addressed, leading to a full disengagement and de-escalation between troops. So one is left wondering what exactly were the discussions, but the message that went out from Delhi was very clear. It's on the Affairs Minister, Jai Shankar, actually held a press conference. The situation there is not normal. If peace and foundation, tranquility is the foundation of basis of how we are going forward, then obviously that is also distant. So the answer in that sense is, if you ask me, is, is our relationship normal today? My answer to you is no, it is not. And it cannot be normal if the situation in the border areas is abnormal. And surely the presence of a large number of troops there in contravention of agreements is abnormal. Now, while India has made all of these points very clear, there are other troubling factors for Delhi from the Wang's visit. And take a look at some of the optics. Wang's visit came while he was on a tour to South Asia in general. He was going to Pakistan, Afghanistan and Nepal, wanted to drop in in Delhi on the way. And in all of these other countries, he was discussing progress in the Belt and Road Initiative, BRI projects, and requested these meetings in Delhi. Now, this is significant because, as we have dealt with at Worldview, India is not a part of the BRI, has actively opposed it. So this is juxtaposed with those visits and those conversations, especially in Afghanistan. Now, the Chinese foreign minister came to Delhi after attending the OIC, that's the Organization of Islamic Cooperation meeting, in Islamabad, where his comments on Kashmir were protested by the Modi government. They called them objectionable. And it really, the, the comments cast a shadow over the visit even before it began. This was raised by External Affairs Minister Jai Shankar during the meeting with Wang, but it did not derail the visit, it must be remembered. And in fact, nor did the political turmoil in Pakistan, the no-confidence motion, rock the China-Pakistan relationship either. And of course, we dealt with the Pakistan situation in the previous world game. The third optic, Wang visited Afghanistan just before landing in Delhi. He's the first foreign minister of a P5 nation to meet with the Taliban in Kabul since they took over, including meeting UN-designated terrorists and Taliban interior minister Sirajuddin Haqqani, who was wanted for attacks on the Indian embassy. Significantly, his visit there coincided with Russian special envoy Kabulov. He discussed plans for a conference of Afghanistan's land neighbors like Iran, Tajikistan, China, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan and Pakistan. This is going to be held in Beijing next week. India is not invited to that meeting. They made it quite clear on the Indian side, although NSA Doval had invited China to a similar meeting, the Delhi meeting, of Afghan neighbors last year, which at that point his counterpart Yang Jiechi had declined. So amidst these optics over Afghanistan, Wang Yi arrived in Delhi and his visit followed two days after. The Modi government had engaged all its partners in the Quad. So there was a summit with Prime Minister Kishida of Japan, a virtual summit with Prime Minister Scott Morrison of Australia. And then there was a visit to India by senior US officials the Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs, Victoria Newland. Now, while he didn't raise the Quad meetings and he didn't talk about the Quad during his meetings in Delhi, China's line on the Quad, it calls it an Asian NATO, an anti-China front, has been very loudly articulated in Beijing. So this was really the troubling context to Wang's visit to Delhi. In all of this, were there any areas of common understanding at all? And we can think of about three at least. The first, the Chinese foreign minister, by visiting Delhi and India by hosting him, have indicated 
that they both see a purpose in continuing high-level contacts to further ties between them, despite China's actions at the LAC, despite the fact that even though there have been promises made, the disengagement has not followed. The second is that while their stand is not identical, both countries have adopted similar votes at the United Nations, for example, both abstaining in about 10 votes so far, if you count the UN Security Council, the UN General Assembly, the IAEA, the Human Rights Council, if you total all of those up, China and India have more or less been consistently abstaining from the votes, uh, although China did in the first vote at the UN Security Council vote along with Russia and then shifted its position. So what is that similar position? Neither are towing the Western line. Neither of them are joining sanctions, for example, cutting off, they're not cutting off their ties with Russia. Both even have some sympathy for the Russian position, as they have made it clear. According to External Affairs Minister Jai Shankar, the common element over here was that both of them called for an immediate ceasefire and both of them want an immediate return to dialogue and diplomacy. And another common point between them seemed to be that both see upcoming summits as important prestige symbols for Delhi and Beijing. While China is hopeful Prime Minister Modi will attend a BRICS and possibly an RIC summit, Russia-India-China summit in China later this year, India is due to host the SCO, Shanghai Cooperation Organization Summit, as well as the G20 in India next year, where it will want a full attendance, including President Xi. In fact, Wang Yi called these two years an Asian moment as a result. He said China doesn't seek a unipolar Asia and he said that China respects India's traditional role in the region. Clearly many moving parts to the India-China relationship at present. So I've only tried to thread together a few of them based on what was the focus during the Wang Yi visit. Clearly geopolitics both in India's immediate neighborhood and further afield were a big part of that visit. But the government just cannot, and it's made it clear, it cannot, it must not give up its sharp focus on resolving the single biggest problem at present. And that is the presence of Chinese troops on territory that India claims, and only a full demobilization and disengagement will really lead to a de-escalation of that situation. Now, we've had a lot of reading recommendations on India, on China in the last few episodes of Worldview, but I'm going to get you up to date with five or six of the latest books and these reading recommendations that I hope are useful. The first is former Foreign Secretary and Ambassador to China's Nirupama Rao's History of the Ties Between Them. This is really a must-read filled with archives and rare insight. Uh, it's called The Fractured Himalay, India, Tibet, China, 1949 to 1962. But it's very important to reread this part of our history. The second is called Dragon on Our Doorstep, Managing China Through Military Power. Some fairly radical and refreshing ideas here by Praveen Sani and Ghazala Wahab. There's also a very up-to-date account. It came out just a few months ago by journalist Maruf Raza. It's called Contested Lands, India, China and the Boundary Dispute Between Them. And of course, we're very proud at The Hindu. My colleagues uh, Stanley Johnny and Anand Krishnan have come out with another book. Both of them have written books before. This one is really a cracker and it is very relevant in the context today. It's called The Comrade and the Mullahs, China, Afghanistan and the New Asian Geopolitics. Now, there are two more books that had a slightly broader view and they were written, in fact, a few years ago in 2017, I think. Uh, the first is called Power Shift, India-China Relations in a Multipolar World. And this is by Zoravad Dolat Singh. 
and the other is called India Turns East, uh, and it's about the international engagement and, more importantly, U.S.-China rivalry. And this is by Frederick Greer. So we hope you enjoy reading them. We hope you join us again here on Worldview from the team here. Thanks for watching. Thank you.